Well, Wall Street's happy right now. Jerome Powell just came out and said, we're going to raise interest rates a little bit lower than we expected going forward. And of course, now the Dow's up by about 500 points, if I understood him correctly. I mean, there's a lot of, yeah, it says Dow rises 500 points in final hour of trading after Powell signals smaller rate hikes ahead. We're not going to get into Jerome Powell's rate hikes today because there's other stuff we have to be able to talk about. There is someone out there who doesn't fully agree with the rate hikes and that he believes they should be cut, if I'm not mistaken, with Elon Musk. But we'll get to that in a second. Some news that we'll talk about in today's podcast today. First off, Nightscope continues to have more positive news and Wall Street just continues to ignore. Nightscope's becoming that child where they're trying to get attention from a parent and the parent's like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there in a second kid. And they're not really just paying attention at all. So we'll get into that today and in today's podcast. Got some of the news from DoorDash as well. There's some layoffs coming at DoorDash and we'll talk a little bit more about that when it comes later on this podcast. Amazon is also taking a victory lap right now based off the fact of how their holiday shopping weekend went for the company. Then there's news from Elon Musk. Elon Musk has been criticizing Apple for years and Apple has mostly ignored him. What does that mean for the company going forward? And finally, with Elon Musk, like I just said, Elon Musk says Fed must cut rates immediately to stop a severe recession. And it's interesting because this just came at a time where the Dow was going up because of Jerome Powell. Most people hear about Jerome Powell in today's news in general. But we're going to end today with talking about Elon Musk when the time comes because we want to be able to get the news out there so that when other people start looking up this stuff, they'll know. With that being said, I have to remind you all that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing as you're not guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. Please also note too that I cannot legally give you financial advice in any way, shape, or form. And everything I talk about this podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing as you're not guaranteed to make money in the stock market. Your professional advisor should be able to help you make those decisions as they can and they legally can do it as well. Please also note too that I do have small and long-term positions in both Apple and Nightscope and I cannot give you financial advice and this podcast is not for financial advice in any way, shape, or form. It's for entertainment and educational purposes and to report the news as much as possible. So with that being said, let's begin this podcast. Nightscope receives five new contracts totaling 22 new machines, okay? So, like I said, Nightscope is being ignored by Wall Street. Don't believe me? Go on CNBC and type in KSCP, okay? And if you look at the last, at least at the time of the recording of this podcast, the last article you'll see is from November 14th when they signed, I think it was like 41 for a New Jersey school or something like that. And it wasn't even CNBC wrote the article. It was one of their affiliated partners. So CNBC is pretty much ignoring this company right now. But Business Wire is not, and neither is this podcast. So the news from Business Wire says here, a leading developer of autonomous security robots continues to accelerate market expansion with five new contracts for its autonomous security robots, the ASR services, in the healthcare market across multiple U.S. states. These wins underscore the need and desire to provide a safe environment for our nation's healthcare workers and those seeking medical attention. The contracts and deployment locations are as follows. A hospital group in Minnesota is the first to pre-order two Nightscope K1 Hemispheres ASRs. The Hemispheres will be helped will be helping to add visibility and detection in areas between the parking garages and main buildings. An existing client in Ohio expanded its contract to include an additional K5 ASR at a second location within the first month of signaling its original agreement. A healthcare and rehabilitation center in New York is eager to see a K5 ASR patrolling its beautiful lobby area to improve residents and employ safety, security, and visitor experience. 
A Texas hospital ordered four K-1 blue light towers and eight K-1 blue light emergency phones to expand communication options and improve security visibility for its campus. And finally, a health system in Louisiana ordered a K-1 blue light tower to improve its ability to interact with visitors. And obviously we're not going to get any more details, but it says, the, actually the last thing it says, for more information on the ASRs and healthcare and to review Nightscope's recommendations for improving hospital consumer assessment of healthcare providers and systems scores. Obviously, let's click here. You know, Nightscope continues to grow. There's, there's just been a lot of positive news with the company and Wall Street just continues to ignore it, which is fine because Wall Street tends to do that, it seems like. But there's still, it's still coming down to this as well, okay? 22 new contracts today. We had 97 a couple days ago. And yesterday they announced that they're expecting their revenue to pretty much get between 12 to 14 million by the end of the year when they do the, the numbers to figure out what's it, what it's going to be total for both Nightscope and Case Emergency Systems for the combined entity in the making. In my opinion, and this is not financial advice, just my opinion, it seems like Nightscope is completely an undervalued company right now. And honestly, okay, Wall Street is still obsessed with all these other startups in a way because they're somewhat being talked about here and there. Not 100% because Wall Street is staying away from a lot of startups. And it's just really weird. Nightscope potentially is going to be a profitable company very soon, it seems like. My opinion, like I've said. But at the end of the day, too, what should be interesting to see with Nightscope going forward, too, is how much longer until... Not only Wall Street pays attention, but any day now, too, they're supposed to be announcing that they can start selling to the federal government. And maybe that will finally get some headlines on Wall Street that there's this company in Silicon Valley, it's a robotics company for security, is now being able to sell to the federal government. Or maybe it'll have to be the fact that they continue to become profitable and Wall Street continues to ignore them. I don't know what route it's going to be at the end of the day. It's just, like I said, it's extremely fascinating that there's all this positive news coming from this company. And nothing's happening to it right now. And so it's just really weird to think about how Wall Street just continues to ignore, ignore, ignore. And then finally, one day they realize, oh, wait, we should not be ignoring anymore. On a more positive note, though, if you look at some of the institutional investors, at least 5.6% of the shares owned in the company right now is owned by Vanguard. It's probably one of the biggest ones besides the insiders and then any other individual investors in general. But Vanguard's probably putting it in some like fund that they have for like security or something like that, or maybe robotics. But it is the biggest one currently right now. And like I said, this isn't financial advice, and I'm not telling you to invest in the company, not at all. That's you have to talk to your financial advisor and you have to be able to figure this out on your own. I mean, I could be wrong, and maybe this will blow up in my face in the future and just be like, oh, this podcaster thought that this was going to be the next big thing, and it really wasn't. I still think it will be because it's going to change people's lives for the better in the long run. But it's just extremely fascinating. But companies that are being talked about, though, by Wall Street currently right now, that are startups in a way, well, maybe not startups in the, in the sense of they just went public, but they went public about a year or two ago. It says here, DoorDash lays off about 1,250 employees. From CNBC, delivery service DoorDash, is laying off 1,250 corporate workers as part of its continued cost-cutting effort, driven by tapering growth and overhiring. CEO Tony, uh, correction, the CEO of the company sent in a message to employees on Wednesday. The company's shares were up 5% on the news. Once again, it's disturbing how the fact that when these companies make news reports that they have to lay off people, their stock goes up in price. 
DoorDash joins the ranks of Amazon, Meta, Twitter, HB, and Lyft in opposing job cuts, tech industry hiring balloon during the COVID-19 during the COVID pandemic, and has seen a harsh come down in recent months as interest rates mute consumer demand and investors' confidence. DoorDash announced they slowed in hiring earlier this year. It has 8,600 corporate employees as of December 31st of 2021. DoorDash went public at the end of 2020 in a widely successful IPO and saw shares soar 80% over initial pricing. In November 2021, it hit a peak of, of $81.1 billion despite never turning a profit. DoorDash will offer 17 weeks of severance uh, to, to affected employees. Healthcare will continue through March of 2023 for overseas or visa-sponsored employees. The termination date will be March 1st, a decision that the CEO told employees would give them as much time as possible to find a new job. DoorDash shares were down over 60% year-to-date. Yeah, it's actually 66. I looked it up. I, I looked at the max of how long DoorDash has been publicly traded, and it's down about close to 66% year-to-date, okay? Its high was like at $250, okay? But I got to mention this again, okay? Because this ties into what we were just talking about with Nightscope, okay? Where is it again? In November in 2021, it hit a peak valuation of $81.1 billion despite never turning a profit, Okay. The highest night scope ever went was about $27.50 a share. That was like a couple months ago in 2022, at least a few months after it went public in January. And there's a chance, like I said, they're going to go be going public soon. And yet, Wall Street is writing about DoorDash, a company that hasn't been profitable, is now laying off people. And yeah, this is just, like I said, getting interesting. The tech sectors are getting hit heavily right now across the board. It's It's official. It is. And then we can probably add now DoorDash to that tech check sector of those layoffs that we talked about in the past podcast where I was talking about all the layoffs that were happening because it was like around the time that Elon was mentioning he was going to have to lay off people at Twitter. And now this is happening with another tech company. Tech is probably going to be, when we look back on the history of this, the tech industry, 2022 is not going to be a good year for tech in general. And they'll talk about that a lot in the future for Wall Street, most likely. They'll probably call it the tech crash of 2022. It's going to be interesting to see how these companies continue to go going forward. But on a more positive note, Amazon touts record sales over holiday shopping weekend. From CNBC News, Amazon said Wednesday and rang up record-breaking sales in a five-day period beginning Thanksgiving Day and ending on Cyber Monday, adding to what has been a strong showing for many retailers so far this holiday shopping season. The company said the holiday shopping weekend was its biggest ever, with consumers snapping up hundreds of millions of products during the period. Apple AirPods and Amazon brand devices such as Echo Dot, smart speakers, and Fire TV streaming sticks were among the top-selling items. It said Champion Apparel, Nintendo Switch consoles, and Hasbro's Gaming Connect 4 were also hot items. Independent business selling on Amazon surpassed $1 billion in sales during Thanksgiving holiday shopping weekend, the company said. Amazon didn't provide sales figures for the five-day shopping weekend, which tends to be some of the busiest days in the holiday period. The company's fourth quarter results, typically released in late January or early February, will give Wall Street a more complete picture of the holiday shopping season. Consumers spend $9.12 billion online on Black Friday, a 2.3% jump from last year, while on Cyber Monday, sales rose 5.8% to $11.3 billion, according to Adobe Analytics, which tracks 1 trillion visits to retail websites and sales to $100 million products. Expectations for the year's holiday shopping season has been lackluster, with many analysis predicting that the consumer would be more budget consensus during the near-term, near-record inflation. Sorry about that. 
Continuing on, it says, but so far, figures from Adobe and other third parties suggest consumers are opening their wallets and searching for deals lured by deep discount from retailers. A survey, a survey from the National Retail Federation released Tuesday found that, on average, consumers are about half halfway done with holiday shopping, indicating that more purchases could be coming in the next weeks ahead. Okay, if I'm not mistaken, didn't we just read, too, that Walmart did really, really well this weekend, too? I mean, there's not articles on Walmart currently right now, but they said that Walmart did a lot better than Amazon. Now, granted, people are probably looking at the cheaper deals on Walmart and they might have been using that on Amazon. Well, probably not Amazon as much, but they were using Walmart though. There's two companies right now. Oh, and I forgot to mention this, I guess. Small disclaimer, I do have a small position and a long-term position in Walmart as well, Walmart stock. Next quarter, when they report earnings, maybe retail is going to do well. And honestly, it might, okay? Now, granted, maybe there comes a new, another news report coming out within the next few weeks and my opinion might change, but maybe they will do well, okay? And the only reason I'm saying that is because what we're reading here right now, okay, where it says $9.12 billion online on Black Friday and then Cyber Monday was $11.3 billion. Maybe Walmart is going to do well and even Amazon might do well as well because it seems like they, they're just, they're able to do things. Maybe the consumer is not as bad as we thought it was. I don't know. Maybe inflation's not affecting people as much as we thought it was. Or maybe people are just using debt right now. There was an article that came out a couple days ago, and I kind of wish I had talked about it on this podcast, but I didn't think much about it at the time. It had to do something with credit cards, if I'm not mistaken. And I didn't get to read the full thing, but it said that there was a reckoning coming for credit card companies because I guess people are using their credit cards a lot to be able to sustain their lives. And we've talked about that this year in particular. There have been people using credit cards to sustain their lifestyle or currently right now instead of cutting back. This also comes at a time when Netflix is also reporting too that people will cut their budgets, everything but their Netflix subscription as well. Something's got to give. If it is, if people are using this much debt to be able to fund their lifestyles though, something has to give in the long run. I don't know what it will be when the time comes. But it's still extremely interesting to think that this is happening. I mean, it's good to see that Amazon's doing well, which means it's they're freaking out over Amazon over nothing on Wall Street right now, at least for the time being. But it's still fascinating to see how this is happening right now. Continuing on here, it says here in the tech industry, and this is how we'll end today because we get to talk about Elon Musk. Elon Musk has been in the news a lot recently. It's kind of insane how much he's been in the news just for buying Twitter out these days. From the tech industry, Elon Musk has criticized Apple for years. Apple has mostly ignored him. From CNBC, Tesla and SpaceX CEO Elon Musk, who is also the new owner of CEO of Twitter, bashed Apple this week after claiming the company has threatened to remove the Twitter app from its app store, accusing the company of hate of, of hating free speech. The Twitter app is still available for iOS devices, and there's no sign that the popular social media app is at risk of getting booted by Apple. The Tesla CEO Furious tweets recall how Musk has long taken shots at Apple and highlighted just how much power the tech juggernaut still has over the world's richest person. Meanwhile, Apple as a company never engages in public trash talk towards Musk or Tesla and has even avoided talking veiled shots at them as opposed to the frequent oblique criticisms aimed at Facebook. Behind all the attacks, Musk has a great admiration for Apple's original founder, Steve Jobs. Musk has even begun working with Steve Jobs' biography, Walter Isaacson, on its own official biography. A one-way war of words. Musk's latest spat of Apple insults began last week. This week, Musk claimed in a tweet that Apple has mostly stopped advertising on Twitter platform. 
He tried to provoke Apple CEO Tim Cook in a public discussion about the reduction in advertising on Twitter, asking him if Apple hates free speech in America and what's going on here. Cook did not respond. Apple's not alone in reducing its campaigns on social media platforms since Musk took over. After Musk closed closed a leveraged buyout deal on October 28th and appointed himself as CEO, a spike of anti-black racist and anti-Semitic hate speech flowed the pl- fall- flooded the platform, partly because of raids that were coordinated by users on online chat platform 4chan. Musk also began making steep cuts to Twitter's workforce, gutting sales teams, team responsible for measuring Twitter performance metrics and content moderation teams, among others. Twitter's has been losing advertisers and ad revenue ever since the civil rights group that previously advertised on platform pressuring Musk to prove that his much smaller team can responsibly manage content moderation, ad campaigns, cybersecurity, and more. Whether accurate or not, whether accurate or not, Musk's allegation that Apple has threatened its withhold Twitter from its app store may respond with other developers. And then this last thing we'll read before we talk about this. Musk also chafes under Apple's platform fees, which are between 15 and 30% of the total digital sales, like the $8 Twitter blue subscription that Musk has said could be a major product for the company. Musk said that it's de facto global tax on the internet before he took over Twitter, but in a new role as an app owner, he was attacked with increasing vigor. Okay. We know a lot of companies have been suspending their advertising. I think BMW was one of them, if I'm not mistaken. We've talked about some companies in the past that have suspended advertising on Twitter. I'd advise listening to those past podcasts to be able to understand the whole event that's been happening with Elon Musk and Twitter. But I mean, this is getting, I mean, I don't expect Tim Cook to respond in any way, shape or form. And I honestly believe if Tim Cook does decide to suspend Twitter on the App Store, I think it's been reported by some people that Twitter is like the num is like up there in the top ten of downloadable apps in the App Store. I could be wrong on that. I mean, I've been listening to some other people talk about this Twitter situation, and it's hard to determine what's happening overall at times. But if Twitter is a top app. The question becomes is would Apple really consider getting rid of the company at the end of the day, at least the Twitter app, right? I mean, if it's one of those top downloadable apps, I mean, what's going to stop someone from not being able to just go to Twitter itself and just download the app from the Twitter or from Google? Like, I know Google plays on the Android phones, if I'm not mistaken, but you can probably also download Twitter, if I'm not mistaken, from Google at the end of the day as well. And the other thing to think about too Maybe this just convinces Elon, and I think I spoke about this a little bit yesterday in yesterday's podcast. Maybe Elon decides to make his own phone, make a third competitor in the phone market. If you honestly believe Apple has a cult following when it comes to their products, if Elon Musk were to make a phone, could you imagine that cult following? I mean, think about it this way right now. You currently have Tesla followers who live, breathe, die Tesla, and they buy Tesla vehicles. And it's the same with iPhones. And if you were to get a Tesla phone, I think did I think the phone I read or the memes I've been reading about is like a SpaceX phone or something like that. And they're asking like, would you buy a SpaceX phone? I honestly believe a lot of people would at all, honestly. Okay. What I would also find interesting too, a couple of years back, I remember this distinctly because this was at the time when I was starting to study the stock market a little bit more. There were talks of Apple buying out Tesla, and then there was also talks of Apple being able to have like Apple, what was it like, like somehow their phone was going to be on a car or something like that, like Apple Car. That's what it was. Apple Car. That's what it was. Okay, 
does that mean Tesla is going to be able to do the wild dreams that Wall Street's been wanting for a while to Apple to do? That's a that's an interesting thought right there. Because Wall Street has talked about Apple making its own car and somehow connecting it to Apple at the end of the day. And that and that was around the time, if I'm not mistaken, too, where they were trying to... Because con- I remember, it's my, my memory is a little faded on this, but I remember reading that they there were talks or like people were like, oh yeah, Apple should buy out Tesla. Maybe I need to look into that. Maybe I'll look into that after this podcast today, be able to refresh my memory a little bit on it. But it just seems like maybe Elon's going to be able to do what Wall Street wanted a few years back. Have a phone and a car connected. Could happen. You never know. But like I said, there would probably be a huge cult falling if Elon Musk were to make his own phone. And then he make his own app store. And then the number one app that you're downloading, Twitter. So I don't see Apple getting rid of Twitter on their app store at all, honestly. I honestly see Apple still wanting to make money at the end of the day. So I just don't see it happening. And if it does, Elon might make his own phone. But the last thing we got to be able to talk about with Elon Musk, Elon Musk says the Fed must cut rates immediately to stop severe recession. Elon Musk thinks a recession is coming and worries the Federal Reserve attempts to bring down inflation could make it worse. In a tweet earlier Wednesday, the Tesla CEO and Twitter owner called the Fed to cut interest rates immediately or risk amplifying a probable of a severe recession. The remarks come in exchange when uh, Tasmanian co-founder Vincent Yu, in which several other participated. Later in the thread, Northman trader founder uh, Henrik observes that the Fed stayed too easy for too long total misreading inflation, and now they've tightened aggressively into the highest debt construct ever which accounting for the lag effects of those rate hikes, risking that they'll again late to realize the damage done. This isn't the first time Musk has warned about implementing economic doom. In a similar exchange on October 24th, the richest man estimated the global recession could last until the spring of 24, though he noted he was just guessing that prediction came amid a slew of economic warnings from other businesses executives, including Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos, JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon, and Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon. The Fed appears to be entering the late stages of rate hiking campaign amid a tackling inflation still running near its highest level in more than 40 years. The central bank has increased its benchmark rate half a dozen times this year, ta- uh, taking the overnight borrowing rate to a target range of 3.75% through 4% and is expected to hike a few more times before stopping. In recent days, Fed officials have said they expect smaller increases ahead than four consecutive 0.75 percentage points increases, the most recent of which came in early November. Fedman Chairman Jerome Powell is addressing the public Wednesday afternoon in a speech to be delivered at the Brookings Institution. And we won't get into what he's going to say about that right now, but I will say this about Elon Musk. Elon Musk said recently when he bought Twitter that if a recession were to happen, that Twitter would not survive. And that's one reason why, if I'm not mistaken, he was having to lay off people. Okay. And another reason why he was having to make the blue check mark, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Okay. At the end of the day, I personally do not trust Jerome Powell. I think Jerome Powell makes a lot of mistakes and he's human, but I believe CEOs of companies can see things from afar. Okay. Jamie Dimon has been spot, has been talking about this recession since the beginning of this year. It was recently Jeff Bezos talked about it and Goldman Sachs CEO, I think talked about it during the summer. And now you have Elon Musk talking about it. Not many CEOs are talking about it just yet. If more of them start talking, it will be a concern. But here's the thing with at least two of the four people we know. Actually, I would say three out of the four CEOs that we just talked about. Jamie Dimon, 
Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. Those are the three probably smartest people and smartest CEOs by far across the the entire uh, Wall Street spectrum when it comes to CEOs of companies. They're, they're probably one of the smartest, especially Jamie Dimon. Jamie Dimon's actually a really, really, really smart CEO. Okay. He himself, like, he's the reason why it seems like Chase is, Chase, JP Morgan Chase is doing really, really well. But he's a really, really smart man. Okay. Now, granted, Jeff Bezos is no longer the CEO of Amazon, but he did give us a warning. But Jeff Bezos is, he's a pretty smart guy, too. I mean, he created Amazon from the ground up. Business leaders, I believe, can see things a lot faster than government officials, okay? In all honesty, government officials don't really see the bigger picture and things, but companies can. I once had an argument with someone where I said, you know, because they were talking about how there was a lot of greed in corporate America and all that stuff. And I said, okay, there might be a lot of greed, but every time Washington passes a law to either try to tax companies more and all that stuff, right, a company is able to move a lot faster when it comes to getting stuff done. Like let's say there was like a law coming out that's saying like we'd have to tax 20% more on a company. This is a bill that's coming in from Washington. A company would then be able to hire their lawyers, be able to look at everything and be able to figure out like, okay, what's the best strategy? So we don't have to either a pay all these taxes or B if we have to pay these taxes, how do we do it so that we're not getting screwed over? These CEOs know what they're doing. Companies can move a lot faster than government can a lot of times. And at the end of the day, I kind of believe Elon Musk, but at the same time, like I've, I've been mentioning for a while, I believe we've already been in this recession for a while. And all honestly, just because there's so many layoffs happening, but then again, the layoffs are happening a lot more in the tech sector. There are a few others like the real estate market and stuff that we've talked about in past podcasts as well. But it just seems like the CEOs are talking about it now because it's probably affecting their bottom line somehow, shape or form. And they're feeling it. And so therefore they believe the recession is either coming or it's on or it's already here. So we're gonna keep an eye out for this some more because if more CEOs start talking about it, it's something we will have to pay attention to. So I'll leave it there. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription helps grow this podcast and we'll be able to keep talking about news events that are happening on Wall Street or that Wall Street isn't or willing to be able to talk about at all times. Please also note too, for my fellow listeners who have been following me on this journey so far, please continue to share with friends and family as it has helped grow this podcast as much as possible. And I thank you for my fellow listeners for being able to continue to support this podcast as we keep going. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.